Hey now, we're doing it live. You're listening to the Julio from New York Show 2.0, episode 124, same sandwich, different toppings. Recorded live on Tuesday, February 18, 2020. This here is my audio diaries where I rant, I rave, I reminisce, and I spew whatever is on my mind. If this is your cup of tea, by all means, sit back, relax, and unwind. Otherwise, there are plenty of podcasts out there for you to listen to. Today's show is all over the map. I got a lot to say, a lot on my plate, personal things that uh, you'll get to hear. You'll be the first. Heart and soul of New York City. You're, you're getting an exclusive on my life. Well, I guess you would because it is my audio diaries. But yeah, we'll be getting on it in a moment once the music stops. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you, one and all. And uh, welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm your host, Julio from New York. And so, first thing, first, let's get a correction and retraction done. So, in the last recording, I said I was 127 pounds. That, of course, is incorrect. I meant to say 227 pounds, and I did not notice, I did not notice that slip until post when I was editing and I noticed my mistake. So that is the correction and retraction from the previous episode. So So yes, that was a big fail on my part, but we are done with that. So let's move on. Uh, Let's see. What do I got to say? What do I got to say? Hmm... I'm on the spot now. I feel uh, I feel like I'm naked in front of all you five listeners out there. <laughs> anyway, let me stop being silly. So, number one, it's tax season. Everyone knows that, of course. And so I finished my taxes, and I'm going to end up with $65 in my pocket for all my trouble, which isn't much, but whatever. It is what it is. It's it's a refund. It's better than being than owing money. And I probably would be owed more money if I do an amendment because I noticed that I forgot to put in my uh, school tuition because I did not think that that would count since I took out student loans. But apparently it does because after I finished all my taxes and I sent an e-file out, I noticed uh, in my mail, I noticed a, uh, a 1099 of some sort from the school for, you know, $7,000 worth of uh, expenses, which I, I was like, well, yeah, that's the loan. But so apparently I could use that as my, um, for a tax break. And that probably would have gotten rid of the money I owe New York and they would end up giving me money as well. Plus my federal refund would probably be higher, but that would probably be a lot of work to do since I already filed it and everything's done automatically now so i don't know if i want to put a kibosh on that especially because i i still came out in the end with some money in my pocket but whatever i guess i can i'll 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 mull it over and if i change my plans on that i will get back to you so that's the first thing on my agenda my taxes 
Secondly, and more painful to say, and sad, it saddens me, and, uh, but this might mean more recordings, at least more uh, consistency with the recordings. But anyways, let's, uh, let's just rip that Band-Aid right off the bat. So here's the news. I had to drop out of school once again. I will forever be labeled a college dropout. It's just not in the, it's not in my, um, it's not in the stars for me or whatever the, the expression is about manifest destiny and all that nonsense. But um, due to personal reasons that I don't, I do not want to get into, I will not be able to continue my studies and finish my BA because I in fact have to work full time because I also have to find a new place to live. So that's enough of the details as to the why. Um, but I think that's self-explanatory. If I'm working full-time, I can't go to school full-time. And if I cannot go to school full-time, well, there's a reason why I'm working full-time. And that's because I need money, because I need to pay rent for a place. So obviously, I need to move. And uh, there's reasons that are motivating me to do that. And so that's what's going on. So, so that, that's the news about that. One little addendum. Obviously, I'm not going to move within a week or two. It will probably take me a few months to find a place, but also to save up the money so I have a little nest egg, if you will, to make this transition as smoothly and financially less painful as possible because this was as financially painless, I should say that that would be a better term, a phrase, a better turn of phrase, I should say. And the reason is, you know, I have to, uh, well, whatever. Um, I will probably be looking for a place close to my job because, you know, commuting has always been a problem for me. And since I'm not going back to school, since I'm dropping out of school, Manhattan definitely has no sway in my decision in terms of living uh, here. It's the most expensive borough. Well, actually, in some cases, Brooklyn is. Some parts of Brooklyn are more expensive than the most expensive parts of Manhattan. But regardless, I, I need to find a place that's a more affordable. Queens is still in that affordable range right now. And if I'm working full time, I will be making the money. But again... My point is, right now I work in Queens, so Queens is the place to look at for my residence. However, if I cannot, because that's where I work, I work in Queens, but if I cannot uh, get full-time, because right now I'm part-time, and they, there might not be any full-time positions available for me in the location where I'm currently working, and I might have to find a position in Manhattan or Brooklyn and if that's the case, well, then I won't be looking at Queens to relocate. I will try to find a place in Brooklyn, probably, or some parts of Manhattan that might still be affordable. The Bronx is definitely my last resort, but I might have to do the Bronx. Uh, I, I, that's the borough. That's my least favorite borough in terms of living, just because it's it's not it's not um. Well, I mean, the trains on the weekends in the Bronx are the worst as well. I mean, Queens is pretty bad. The Bronx is, is the absolute worst, especially if you need 
to get to Manhattan from the Bronx on the weekends. And I've had experience with that when I was living in Westchester County and I had to walk across the county to the Bronx to commute into Manhattan to work. That was quite annoying. That was like a two-hour commute both ways on a good day. On the weekends, I might not even get to work. I, I would just call out because the trains weren't running and it just there was no point to it. But anyway, I'm, I've been rambling about this whole job and life situation. And um, yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's enough about that. So I might be here four months, probably a semester's length. So maybe by May or the whole summer, I will be saving up to get out of here because I need to do that and also get rid of my debts, whatever few debts I still have. So there's that. Anyways, on to the news chunk. And we're back with the news chunk. And there's not a lot to say, really, other than I want to talk politics again, because that's been my main concentration with the news. And of course, we're going to talk about Bernie Sanders. If that's the politics we're talking about, we're talking Bernie Sanders. We're talking the Democratic primaries. And so far, the two that have happened since our last, well, since the last recording, it was about the Iowa caucus and the debacle that was the Iowa caucus. But I think they finally finished the whole debacle. They did the re-canvassing and everything. And bottom line, Bernie got the popular vote. Somehow, Pete came out with two more delegates than Bernie Sanders, but that might have been adjusted since it doesn't make any sense. If Bernie has the popular vote, why would Pete have more delegates? But regardless, New Hampshire, which was the second uh, this time it was a primary. It wasn't a caucus, but this was a primary, and there was no dispute. Uh, Bernie did, in fact, win the New, New Hampshire primary, so he got the. Um, but somehow, him and Pete got the same amount of delegates. I think they both got nine apiece. And what's her name? Buttigieg, uh, not Buttigieg. I mean, that's Pete. Uh, what's her name? Amy Klobuchar. She got third place, and I think she got six delegates so nine nine six for a total of 24 delegates that's how many delegates the state of new, new hampshire had so somehow uh bernie wins both new hampshire and iowa and pete comes out with more delegates so obviously the, the democratic party is doing their thing but regardless new polls are, have been showing up uh new i mean they obviously there's constant polling going on but bernie is still the front runner he's still first place and the majority of the polls, in fact, the last poll that came out, um, which brings me to um, this other guy who is running for the Democratic ticket, but he's not participating w in the primary the, the way everyone else is. And that's because he's a billionaire. And that's his, his name, of course, is Michael Bloomberg, former mayor of New York City. And this ridiculously rich person who has these delusions of grandeur a la Trump, except he actually has more mental fortitude than Donald Trump. He's actually smart. He actually is a self-made billionaire, unlike Trump, who 
um, had a silver spoon. And he's also smart. And he also has even crazier, more authoritarian views. And a lot of those views are very racist, very sexist, and so on. And I will get more, I'll go back on the the racist front. But first, let me discuss the, 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 the marriage poll that just came out. Uh, came out today, I believe. Uh, yeah, the 18th today. And in the poll, nationwide, Bernie Sanders is in the lead at 31%. Bloomberg, without a single debate, just spewing, just spitting out, uh, spending and spitting out millions of dollars, buying out other people's staff members, and just flooding the uh, all media with his ads. With just doing that, just spending his money on ads and buying other people's uh, staff, he's at second place with 19%. Joe Biden has been sinking. He's at third with 15. Warren has been sinking. She's at fourth with 12. Klobuchar has dropped to ninth, and Pete Buttigieg has dropped below her at 8%. And then, of course, you have Steyer, the other billionaire who's not really spending as much as Bloomberg, but also he's not as rich as Bloomberg. So there's that. And last but not least... So, I mean, what can you really say? Tulsi Gabbard is at 0%. I mean, what? I mean, she has nothing right now in terms of polling. She has almost, she's, she's essentially ready to drop out of contention. So Bernie, with grassroots movement, with a huge following, with, you know, small money contributions, he's still the leader of the pack. But Bloomberg is, you know, he's gaining on him. And he has not participated in a single debate, like I mentioned. He's not doing interviews. He's doing his own private uh, press conferences and what have you, and just spewing ad money. And, of course, because he's spending all this money, he's buying out people. He's, he bought off, uh, what's her name, Stacey Abrams from from Georgia, the, the, the governor, not the governor, the the politician who's running for the governor of, of Atlanta. I, want, I forget if it was Atlanta or Alabama. But she lost because the guy who ran the voting regulations, uh, I forget his first name, last name, Kemp, who was also the current governor, he, he rigged the system in, her fa- in his favor and he won. So you would think she was a very progressive um, politician, especially because she's fighting for voters' rights and all that stuff. But of course, it was more a political angle because she, she was you know trying to win. And so she was obviously the... Truth and justice was on her side in in that regard, but she's more of a centrist and she's willing to be bought out. And Bloomberg gave her five million. Well, not her directly. He gave her campaign five million dollars. So she's endorsing Michael Bloomberg, the billionaire who is, like I said, racist, has the whole stop and frisk agenda behind him, believes uh, people in the projects deserve to be should be fingerprinted to confirm that they are in fact living there he believes that no one should get paid more than ten dollars an hour he he fought tooth and nail to keep it that way in new york in you know in this new york city and he sued new york city twice to prevent the raising of minimum wage what other fun facts of course there's also there's also the misogyny he has he has more sexual um allegations and lawsuits against him than donald trump himself so like they're both they're both like racing to see who's the biggest scumbag. Um, anyway, there's so many other. Oh, he was uh, targeting uh, Muslim f- uh, people during uh, the nine the whole uh, because of nine eleven. Well, post nine eleven. Um, let's see. Yeah, with Homeland, he was trying to you know hook up with Homeland Security and whatnot, and he wanted to 
to target Muslim communities in New York City because hey, there might be someone bad there, and uh, and um, uh, what else is there to say? There, there's just so much horrible things to say about him, and this is just what I remember from the top of my off the off the top of my head, I should say. So anyway, let's just. Uh, but regardless, like I mentioned, Bernie's on the lead, and uh, before we move on to entertainment, I, I just want to play this clip by Trevor Noah. Um, oddly enough, because uh, the, the Daily Show hasn't been as progressive as I remember it being when John Stewart was at the helm. I thought that Trevor Noah would keep keep it going, but. He uh, he is definitely more of a centrist, except when it comes to Bloomberg. So let's uh, let's play that clip real quick of what uh, what he has to say about Michael Bloomberg, his whole uh, his co- his quote unquote apology regarding stop and frisk, and um, yeah, and, and his whole take on it. So let's uh, let's play that right now. It's about four minutes. So uh, if you w- don't want to hear it, you can fast forward four minutes to the entertainment chunk. Otherwise, here we go. You know the. The biggest issue I think I have and many other people have with Mike Bloomberg and how he's defending his stop and frisk record is that he doesn't seem to know what he's defending. And that, that for me is a problem, you know? He goes, oh, I, I apologize for the policy. And people are not, are not as angry about the policy, I think, as how the policy was targeted. Because for so many years, especially in America, black people have said, hey, the police are targeting us just because we're black. They treat us like we're all criminals. They're not just trying to go for criminals. And what would people say to people? Oh, you're overreacting. Cops are not just going to throw you against the wall. You must have done something. And I can imagine for a long time, for many black Americans, it must have felt like being gaslit. You know what's happening to you. You say what's happening to you. And people are like, that's crazy. And I can imagine how for many white people in America, they're like, that is crazy. You just got thrown against the wall? Why? You must have been doing something. Because white people are like, I've never been thrown against the wall. That, that would never happen to me. What, what? You just got thrown against the wall? That's it? I see cops all the time. I say, hello, officer. They say, hello, sir. And then I keep walking. <laughs> you just got thrown against the wall? That doesn't make any sense. And, I can ima- and then a lot of black people were like, you white people are being racist because you don't. And white people are like, that is insane. Cops will not just throw. And I can see how people have lived in these worlds for so long. And then now you have audio of Mike Bloomberg saying, and that audio for me, if you break it down into pieces, has so many issues with it. First of all, the fact that he says, if you look at criminals and, 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 and victims of crime, et cetera, you can Xerox. You can just copy and paste it and put it out there. It shows me that you didn't even care about the differences between black people. You made it seem like black is crime when in fact black is most affected by crime. That is the thing that you did there, right? That's the first problem I have. Secondly, the fact that people don't seem to realize the ramifications of treating people like that. Imagine if you are a black kid living in Mike Bloomberg's New York City. Every day, you're getting frisked and thrown against a wall, huh? put over the hood of a car every day. This is what cops are just, this is your life. Now imagine if you are a black kid who lives in this world. A cop gets you, pulls you, throws you into all. You got something, you, no, you carry, next day it happens again. Maybe next week, maybe next month, whenever it is. At some point, what do you say? Fuck the police, yeah? And then you get people like, why don't you respect the police? Why don't they respect me? They don't protect and serve me. These people come and throw me against the wall and treat me like a criminal. You know what I mean? And then what does that kid do one day? They see the cops, they go, screw this. I'm not staying around for this. They run away. The cops pursue. Now they catch you. What are you? You're you're evading arrest. You're resisting arrest. Now you get arrested for resisting arrest. Then you go to jail. You can't afford bail. Now you're in prison. What does prison turn you into more likely than not? A criminal, 
right? And even if you don't become a criminal because of that, you are still in the system now. We've seen how these kids get locked up, they can't afford to come out. Now they are living a life of crime without being a criminal. And then you're just like, oh, but these kids spend all their time in jail. How did they get to jail? Why were you running from the cops? Because I was tired of being thrown against the motherfucking wall. <laughs> I'm not gonna stick around for that. I remember that in high school. I didn't wait, the bully came and I was like, oh shit, and I was gone. <laughs> I wasn't gonna stand there and be like, yeah, well, good afternoon, bully. Uh, nice to see you again. Uh, different thing today, yes, are we gonna talk this out? No, at some point you knew the bully was gonna do what he's gonna do, so you ran before they even got to you. And then people are like, why are these kids running away? They don't respect the police, but do the police respect them? And that is something no one can deny. If you've ever been in a rich neighborhood specifically, not just a white neighborhood, but a rich neighborhood, you will see the relationship that police have with those communities, it's very different. Because they know if they throw the wrong person, search the wrong person, frisk the wrong person, that person knows someone powerful enough to make sure that their job is in danger. And those are the dynamics that you're dealing with here. And so my problem with Mike Bloomberg is, he's not saying, I'm sorry for targeting black people. I'm sorry for treating black people like second class citizens. I'm sorry for gaslighting black people for so long. No, he's just like, I'm sorry that stop and, stop and frisk happened to affect black communities. And it's like, no, it didn't happen to you designed it to. So yeah, that's uh, that's Trevor Noah, who grew up in apartheid South Africa. So he is very sensitive to uh, black and white racism and apartheid situation, situ situational um, situations. <laughs> Trying to sound educated, and I uh, just sound more foolish. But regardless, like he he is definitely. Well, yeah, he's sensitive to the the hypocrisy of police treating black folk versus how they treat white folk because he lived it in a, in South Africa during the apartheid regime. Also, being a a biracial kid growing up, that definitely makes him. Um, I I would say I wouldn't I wouldn't exactly say trigger, but yeah, he definitely is sensitive to that that type of uh, situation. So I get I can see why he is definitely on the right side of this argument in particular because it's 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 uh, close to his heart. Anyways, let's get on with entertainment. All right back on the show so anyways we're going to talk about two shows that i've watched one's an apple another apple tv show and another one is a new one that i found on hulu yes i have hulu again I, i'm not going to school why not get the streaming shows or streaming services back up and running i will be able to afford it working full-time and all so first things first the apple tv show this just popped up on my radar i think it came out on my birthday, if not the day, the day before or the day after. And it's a show made by the creators of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And the show is called Mythic Quest. Now, what is Mythic Quest, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me explain to you or, or give you a brief synopsis. Essentially, it is a, well, it is a sitcom, but it's a combination. I'll just give you three shows for people who watch TV like me and, and will get the references. It's a combination of The Office slash The Guild slash... Um, do I want to say Parks and Rec? All right, I just said it, Parks and Rec, which is as similar as The Office. So anyways, 
It's a show about a game developing company um, whose name I forget, and they create this game called their their biggest their biggest selling game is uh, the game that they made that that's so big is called Mythic Quest, and it is a online role playing game, uh, MMRPG I think is what they're called MMRPOG or uh, role whatever. It's one of those um, game company like it's like World of Warcraft, but they make it and. This company has a bunch of wacky characters, and you follow them. It's an eight-episode season. It's uh, 30 minutes each. They're fun. The One of the main guys of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is the main guy in this show. He is the the own, the creator of the show, of the game, Mythic Quest, and he's always butting heads with his main programmer, who goes by the name of Poppy. She's uh, Australian. But it looks like she has some Asian, Asian. Um, she is of Asian descent or a mix of Asian and Australian. And her, her name is Poppy Lee. And um, they're always bunting head, bunt, uh, bunting, yeah, head butting, butting, butting heads, because uh, he's a wacky visionary. But he doesn't necessarily know what goes into making the game because he's not a coder. He just has these ideas and he throws it at them, and then they have to make it work. And so they're always right. It, it's it's it, that's the fun dynamic. And then you have the and then you have a uh, Danny Pudi of the community sh- of, of community fame, I should say, from that that old sitcom. I guess I could have said community, but I, I wasn't thinking that clearly. Anyways, Danny Pudi of the community. He's on this show. He plays the marketing guru. So he's always trying to come up with a way to just make money off of the players because he's uh He's a parasite in that in that asp in that regard, and then you have a, you have two gamers, uh, game testers. Uh, let's see, you have F. Murray Abraham, who's a well-known character actor. He was from he was the bad guy in Armadeus and Finding Forrester, or the antagonist anyway. And you have the guy who um, the executive director, I, I guess, what is what his title is, but he doesn't have any real control because he is a beta male <laughs> and uh, it's just a fun show it's, it's uh, i enjoyed it i binged through it in three or four days like i mentioned they're 30 minutes each and there's only eight episodes in the season so i highly recommend you check out that show the other show that i started watching last night actually there's only two episodes so i'm already caught up it's called zoe's extraordinary playlist now that show is very interesting. It's a uh, it's a sitcom, of course, but uh, it's more of a it's an hour long show. So it's a I guess it's a dramedy because there's some drama involved as well as comedy and musical numbers. And so the way that works is that Zoe, um, her father has some kind of uh, neuro- neurological disorder, and her bo- her body his body I should say is breaking down. And he is essentially now, he's like a vegetable. He has almost no motor functions left, uh, except he can twitch his fingers a little bit. His eyes um, are somewhat expressive, but that's it. And it's played by Peter Gallagher, who's, you know, he's a relatively famous actor, and he had a relatively famous career. And uh, the girl who plays his daughter, she's of... And I'm going to suburgatory. She's from the show suburgatory. That's where I remember her being uh, from, I should say. She was the main character in that show. And so I recognize that redheaded actress. And uh, so what happens is she is freaking out that she might be 
subject to that same illness that her father has. So she goes to get an MRI. And while she's getting the MRI, there's an earthquake happening. And also the technician, the MRI technician, was playing music. And so somehow all this music playing was embedded into her head while the cause while the MRI wave uh, rays are going through her cranium during this whole earthquake situation. So she can sort of uh, read everyone's inner thoughts in music form. So if someone's feeling lonely, they're going to sing a song about loneliness. If they're depressed, you know, a song about depression. If the person is infatuated or in love with her, they will sing a song about said feeling. And again, there's only two episodes so far. It's a pretty good cast. I, I of course I recognize her. Also recognize her boss. She's the woman from Gilmore Girls. P- Peter Gallagher as I mentioned. The wife is I I forget her name, but I saw her in Book Club, so I recognize her from that film. And um yeah. Uh it's a good it's a cool show it it's definitely there's a lot of tear-jerking moments especially with the father when he when you get to see him singing because obviously he's supposed to be unable to move so when he is obviously that's in her brain just seeing his inner thoughts in song form and it's for me it it catches me and you know a tear or two will drop from my uh my sweaty eyes um because it does evoke that emotion from me but anyways that that's it. Uh, I recognize. I recommend those two shows, Mythic Quest and Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. If you have any questions, comments, what have you, you can reach me over at Julio from NY at protonmail.com or on my website Julio from New York Go to the contact section of the page and fill out the form and hit send. Or of course, I'm on Twitter at Julio from NY. So until next time, thank you for listening.